Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. This show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its Soundness Initiative. This episode is also sponsored by the POCUA, a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. Always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals. Hi, I'm Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I'm really excited today because we have possibly the perfect guest for Public Safety Talk Radio. As you know, we like to uh, serve first responders of, of all kinds uh, and also talk to uh, healthcare workers. And we've got an individual here, a great lady that's been in both circles. Let me tell you a bit about her. She is called the Iron Jen. Her name is Jen McDonough. And she learned to navigate the medical system when one of her four children was diagnosed with a lifelong medical condition. Uh, she also challenged herself to go from couch potato to Ironman triathlete. Um, she was an eight-time national Olympic-style weightlifter. We got to hear about that. Uh, and she also became a volunteer firefighter and first responder and served for six years. And for 20 years, she was in hospital administration. So we've got a number of different angles here that we're going to get her expertise. And last, she's the author of three Amazon top 100 books, including Five Minutes a Day to Living Beyond Rich and Living Beyond Awesome. We want to live beyond awesome. Jen, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Ken, for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as excited as I am. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, I've already found before I press the record button that you laugh at my jokes, which in and of itself makes a perfect guest. Um, so that is awesome. So you know, as we kind of joked before I press the record button, I said on paper, you're the perfect guest for this show because you've been in the medical profession. You've also been a, a firefighter. You know, Tell us more about that journey. I want to hear about how somebody goes from 20 years of hospital administration to, to being a firefighter. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> so Back in uh, 2010, 2008, you know, we had a recession then, just like we're going through now. And I, heard I was at a job I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was at a job I loved. I never thought I'd be out of medical. Um, it's just, it was, it was, I was passionate about it. But this recession hit, um, our son was diagnosed. Uh, our finances fell apart, and all of a sudden, I'm losing a totally secure job that I never thought would happen to me. And um, fast forward, we paid off over $212,000 worth of debt and medical expenses in four years. Nice. The driver was, was a lot related to our son and, and trying to find a cure for him. And um, it was, it sounds like a fairy tale ending, but it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare uh, beginning to the journey. But yeah. fast forward, we, we simply wanted to share our story and, um, you know, share that journey with others in basically saying you can take your toughest times and grow the strongest from them. And that led me into public speaking and, and becoming an author. And, and honestly, Ken, well, I would like to say, oh, you know, <laughs> like I'm, 
always wanted to be a firefighter. I did when I was a little kid, but I had never been in a fire hall before. And so when I started doing this full time, we look, we still look at our time the same as we look at money. And so we look at things yeah. and saying, how much time do we have? And um, in doing so, I realized that, you know, we needed to give back to our community. And so I made a list of things that I thought would be a good fit. And firefighting was one in, um, in how I'm wired. And, uh, you know, I started, when I started speaking, I started speaking to first responders. Yeah, nice. And, yeah, and I was, I was like, you know, I want to be like them when I grow up. And I thought, what, what is it about them? And it was simply that they had the serving heart to serve our community. So that's how I first got interested in it. And then when I made my list up of who, you know, who I wanted to be, like when I grew up, I was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. So at age 44, um, I went and got my Fire 1 and Fire 2 test. And it was an amazing six years. Loved it. Um, and, and, and that was it. So I started, I started working with them as a speaker before I, I became one. So that's nice. how I found them. Nice. Yeah. You know, fun, fun fact for a very, very short time. And I do want to stress short time. I think I was 21. And by the time I was 22, I uh, abandoned the idea. Um, I, tr but during that short period of time, I trained to be a firefighter. Um, and I enjoyed the physical part of it. Uh, what eventually got me out of it is it became very clear that as one person who interviewed me said, when the fire chief says jump, the only question you should be asking is how high. And I thought to myself, you know, I've never been really good at following orders. So maybe that's not for me. <laughs> I struggled with it too, Ken. <laughs> So, you know, but, but fortunately, you know, while the, the psychological part, you know, just wasn't right for me, um, I did back in the day when I was in shape, the, the physical portion was no problem with the exception of, and I'm so proud of myself even today, almost 30 years later that I was able to do this, I'm afraid of heights. And I don't know if you had to do this, but they bring out that friggin' fire engine and they don't even put the damn ladder up against like a building. They put that son of a bitch straight up, like at least three stories. And they say, you know, climb all the way to the top and then come back down. And if you don't do that, you automatically flunk the entire test. And you're just literally, you're trying to concentrate on the ladder and you all you if you look straight ahead all you're seeing is air in the horizon so that was one of my top five scariest moments in my life did they make you do that uh no but <laughs> i told my chief we we live in a, a small town so we're a volunteer fire department and i'm like look if you find me up on a roof with a chainsaw, like we got bigger problems on our hands. So, so let's just um, stick to our strengths. And, yeah. um, you know, we're not being paid for this. We're serving right. and put us where we work to get best in our strengths. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I'm not a big hype person myself, Ken. That would be pretty... <laughs> Going up wouldn't be so bad, but it would be the coming down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I remember the going up was, was tough, but the going down was like, just get down, just get down, just get down, and this will be over, this will be over, this will be over. 
You're like, hey, are you going to have one of those trampoline things at the bottom for me? You know, yeah, can I dive off the top of this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. I, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. That would have been even more scary for me. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I hear what you're saying with the being be on the roof with the chainsaw. You know, you almost go, if there's nobody in the damn building where we, ha we don't have to worry about loss of life, can we just let the sucker burn down and let the insurance take care of it? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll save the dog. You know, if there's a dog Absolutely. in there, I'll go in I'm there and save in. the dog. But you know what? If, if, all, if all it is is like, you know, NFL jerseys, let the sucker burn down and be done with it. We can make more. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> so you alluded to it a little bit in, in telling us a bit about your story um, that, you know, you do know a, a lot about resilience uh, from your personal life, and your family life. You're our first responders and our healthcare professionals with, with COVID-19, um, with, you know, what I'll just term as an unfortunate anti-cop sentiment that we have going on right now. Um, everybody that's in the public safety field, you know, are just getting hit hard in this crazy year and they need to find a way to, to be resilient. Um, you, can, can you give us a little bit of an idea of what kind of mindset do you need to really tap into in order to be resilient when everything around you is chaos? Uh, well, I think for a lot of us, we feel kind of blindsided, right? Uh. Especially with what's going on um, with our law enforcement folks. I just, man, to, to all of you guys in healthcare, first responders, law enforcement, just please know like our, my family's hearts and my heart is with you. Like we appreciate you. We love you. Um, we thank you for doing what you're doing. Having said that, um, some of the things that we can do as far as mindset is when we get into those blindsided situations, it's easy for us to feel stuck. It's easy for us to feel like, what, what, the, what the hey just happened, right? But oftentimes, if we can start to change our mindset and, and instead of looking at the things that we can't do, um, when we simply, for us, I'll give you an example. So for us, when we were going through our financial situation. We had our finances crushing on us. You know, we didn't know if we were going to lose our house, where we were going to live. We had the issues with our son. How were we going to pay for his medical expenses? You know, what was his life going to be like? Um, and then, you know, on top of that, we had all the issues that come with that. So we start going through those situations like we're going through today, where chaos hits our life. Um, all of a sudden things like sleep become really difficult. Um, it becomes and, a premium. <laughs> uh, instead, yeah. instead, of, instead of a need, it's like, well, it'd be really nice to have sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe two, three hours, right? And, and Ken, don't you find that too, when you start worrying about problems, like when are the times you think about it? Yeah. Three Daddy, in the morning the yeah, right. <laughs> About three oh one AM like <laughs> clockwork. It's like the Abbeville horror or something, you know, save time every night. <laughs> yeah, and then you gotta be up at seven or whatever time and you have drift off to sleep at six thirty five and you you wake up more exhausted than yeah, exactly that fog. 
so, you know, we, when we start going through chaotic times, a lot of times our sleep is affected. And then, you know, we can do that for a short amount of time, especially for those of us that work in this field. We're, we're pretty strong people. But over time, we all need sleep. And so we start to lose focus. And when we start to lose focus, we start to lose things like empathy and kindness. Uh, you know, when we were going through our financial situation, we're, you know, losing focus, losing sleep. And all of a sudden, Bob and I, who have a very strong marriage, we've been married for 28 years, all of a sudden, our communication was totally off. How we handled stress was very different based on how, um, how we're wired. And so all of a sudden, you know, you start having marital issues, uh, you start you start spending different because you're tired. Um, maybe you're spending more. Um, and so we, we find ways to mask that pain. You know, it can, whether it's, you know, overeating, overspending, over um, whatever, yeah. whatever that over is for you. And so really when we come, the best thing to do is to become proactive. I've heard some of your other guests talk about like the emergency fund. And I'm like, yes, that's a great way to build resilience. And we talk about that as being building margin between us and chaos. But there are times that chaos hits us that we haven't built up that margin to fall back on. And so during those times, when you're going through those chaotic times, there's a couple things we can do to build that resilience. Number one is our mindset. So instead of looking at what is, are the things that we cannot do, start looking at the things that we can do. So a great example, when we were going through our financial situation, um, we were, you know, we were desperate. Um, but we started looking at our finances and saying, hey, can we do a budget? And... <clears throat> Ken, I will tell you, even though I wrote the number one book in budgeting, I hate finances. <laughs> I hate them. And I wrote the book because I hate talking about finances uh, because I, I don't like doing it. But here's the thing is sometimes we can hate the process. Yeah. We hate it, but we can love the outcomes. So if we can ask ourselves, what do we want the outcomes? And for us, we wanted to be out of debt and we wanted to find a cure for our son. And so once we had that, that picked out, we started asking ourselves, what can we do about it? And one of the things was, is we could start to budget. And we, even though I wanted to fight it, I'm like, I don't like the budget. I don't want anything to do with the budget. Budgets for nerds and blah, blah, blah. Um, we said, well, could we, could we spend five minutes a day doing the budget? Well, yeah, we could. We could see how much money we had coming we, we in. We could, could see. Could. <laughs> and that's that's how we looked at it. Is it seemed something like that for us was very overwhelming. And I know for many people it is. Like seventy eight percent of us live paycheck to paycheck, and sometimes doing a budget can seem overwhelming. Like where do you start? What do you do? And so for us, we looked at it and said, "What can we do?" Well, we could spend five minutes a day tracking like that that would be a painful five minutes but we could spend that five minutes tracking how much was coming in how much was going out and how much debt we owed that that's the only three yeah. things we looked at and um you know when we get in times of chaos it's easy to look at what we can't do yeah. um you know we have outside factors affecting us that we have no control over and that is that is so much the case today with what's going on with a lot of 
a lot of your listeners today is we have so many uncontrollable factors, but I would ask, ask you to just step back, take a breath and say, what is it that I can do? Mm-hmm. And when we start thinking in that type of mindset, instead of feeling stuck and hopeless, we start opening ourselves up to, um, to different solutions. And the other thing I would say. Now a word from our sponsor, the Police Officers Credit Union Association. The POCUA can suggest a credit union that serves public safety professionals in practically every state in the country. One state we definitely have covered is Ohio. Akron Fire and Police Credit Union serves all first responders in Northeast Ohio, including firefighters, police, paramedics, and more. First responders are those special individuals who on a moment's notice spring into action to serve and protect communities. Akron Fire and Police Credit Union is here to serve these special people. For more information about Akron Fire Police Credit Union, go to akfirepolicecu.com or call 330-798-1994. To find an institution to serve you in any of the other 49 states, go to policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals, and you deserve better. Is really important is that connection piece. Um, it's real easy, especially in our fields, to, to isolate ourselves. Right. Oftentimes we're used to being the ones that are strong. We're, you know, who do they call? <laughs> they call 911. Who do they get? They get us, right? Um, but we don't, it's funny, Ken, because, because especially with our first responders and law enforcement and healthcare, like we know that each and every day people are going to call 911. Like that's what we expect, right? People are having the worst day of their life every day. But when it comes to our own selves, we don't expect that we're going to have those 911 days. No. You know, we just, we don't expect it. And sometimes we can feel blindsided when that happens. And so really having those true blues to connect with and to be, um, to be open with and to be able to share and say, you know what, I'm having a really crappy day. Yeah. Like, I don't need advice. I just need you to listen. And uh, that's really important is that, that connection piece because we're, we're wired to connect. All right. So you're not just a great guest on paper. You're a great guest in reality based on what you just said. Because now listen, Ken. <laughs> so much good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I'm going to get off this call, this podcast, and I'm going to go to my family. Ken said I was perfect. Like, <laughs> At least. I was told I was perfect on paper. <laughs> well, you know, one, you you said you said exactly what I say to my clients um, on a regular basis, um, especially the the credit unions and the POCUA that I have the distinct pleasure to work with as a private client. You know, many of them, in essence, are small businesses, so. They don't have the resources to do everything. That's just the the reality and the fact. Um, And it's very easy, even in normal times, to say, oh, well, we can't do that. Well, you know, we don't have the resources for this. And after about, like, maybe three minutes of that, I chime in with, all right, well, let's let's not allow what we can't do keep us from doing what we can do. So what can we do? 
and I'll throw out usually a couple of ideas. We have the resources for this. We have the resources for that. We have the resources for the other thing. Because sometimes when you look at it, somewhat similar to your budget, and by the way, I've got a finance degree and I hate budgets. I don't, I've got kind of a half-ass budget working here for my business. I'll fully admit that. And I've got a finance degree and I work in the credit union industry for Pete's sake. Um, so I get it. But, you know, but what you can do many times is just about time. So, you know, in your case, in doing the budget, you didn't buy any fancy software. You didn't, you know, you didn't necessarily get an app or anything like that, although you could. Um, basically, the, the, the number one resource that you had to commit to doing a budget was time, was that five minutes a day. Um, and a lot of times what we can do is, is put time towards that. So, you know, it, and the last point that I'll make to, to leverage off of what you said, <clears throat> and I've heard this, um, in fact, the, the episode that went live July 21st with James McNeil, he talked about, uh, from his military background, how he was taught, um, almost like pounded into his head that you will have a battle buddy that he, we, we joked on the show that, you know, even if you're going a little to the latrine, you're going to have, you're going to have a battle buddy go with you. And then in civilian life, you get away from that. And I think that every firefighter, healthcare professional, EMT, police officer, you know, these are all very similar high stress jobs to the military. You know, find yourself a battle buddy. <laughs> Uh, oh, that is a great analogy. Uh, that is a great analogy. But you don't have to take him or her with you to the latrine in civilian. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Yeah. So, so keeping in the, the firefighter realm, uh, which leads me into to this next question, because um, as, I, as I mentioned before, you know, we try to hit on the four pillars in public safety talk radio, financial, uh, emotional, professional, and physical. And, you know, we've even on this show, it seems like we've hit on a couple of them already. We haven't really hit on the physical up to this episode. And you are an Ironman triathlete. And it's interesting because back in the day, many, many years ago, uh, when I did another show, <clears throat> I had a guest on. Uh, who was a trainer. Uh, he was very, very <laughs> harsh, uh, but basically said uh, in so many words, if you're a firefighter and you're a fat bastard, you're not only putting your life in danger, you're putting the lives of your entire team in danger. Um, I, while I agree with what he said, he could have said it a little bit nicer. Um, but talk about, you know, your journey as an Ironman triathlete and the importance of, of being at least in, you know, the minimum of physical shape in order to do a job like that. Uh, well, first off, I'm not in amazing shape today. Like, I'm just not. I had uh, double knee replacement last year. I had them Ooh. done five weeks apart. Yeah. That was a did you, did you save the old knees? Did you like put them in a jar and up on the top of your fireplace? I wanted to, you know, because I like trophies, but <laughs> yeah. um, they wouldn't let me. Ah, <laughs> oh, bastards. Okay, go ahead. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think when it comes to, so, so when I started weightlifting, Ken, I was 
I was just a kid. I was 17 years old and I had no clue what I was doing, but I started visiting a gym and long story short, I got to know the guys and I started lifting with my coach with a broomstick. Now I was the only woman weightlifter in Minnesota at that time. So when I started competing, I started competing against the guys and, um, you know, it kind of, it took off from there. And, uh, but the, the thing was, is I started off with a broomstick and sometimes we think we have to be in these, you know, amazing shape or, you know, we need to start at the top to begin with. But I, if we can just look at overwhelming things like, you know, doing an Ironman, for example, yeah. it's, it's baby steps. What is it that I can do today to get me to the next step? And when I started training for triathlons, I didn't know how to swim. Like I thought I did until I did my first triathlon. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you're supposed to swim forward, not backward um, type of thing. <laughs> you know what, I, I can't just float? <laughs> yeah. I thought I knew how to bike. You know, I biked as a little kid and, you know, for those of you that road bike out there, you know, it's a lot different. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had a lot of scrapes and, and falls and uh, running like you know, I ran like a fridge. I just, I wasn't a runner. I wasn't one of those graceful deer runners that you see running along the road, like with a yeah. smile on their face. I looked miserable. I looked the same at a 5k race, finishing the line, uh, finishing the finish line as I did at a marathon finishing. Like it's painful. But the whole thing is, is to look at it in baby steps. Like what is it that I can do? Um, whether that's finance or physical. Um, and the physical part is so like so crucial for us not just the physical shape thing but just for your mental status like yeah. it helps us think better it helps us focus and you know maybe you're at a job maybe you're a dispatcher or or someone mm -hmm. who or or you're an emt that rides around a lot or you're in a, your squad car all day like it it can be hard to find that time to do it but i i think making it a priority is a big thing um, don't give yourself, don't allow yourself um, room to say, oh, I think I'll get a workout in. Like, when are you going to do it? Um, for me, I would pack my clothes up the night before. So it took away the excuse yeah. of having to look for my stuff. Um, it just was built into my day. And that's what I, that's what I did. But for me, if you've seen me, like you would say, no way is she an Ironman triathlete. Like it's just wrong. But <laughs> the whole thing was, is, is looking at it. What can I do? And yeah. what are the baby steps that I can do to get to my desired outcome? So it, you know, it's physical fitness. Perfect. You know, you don't have to be, you know, body builder type, yeah. whatever, but just, just something. Um, it, it does so much for your endorphins. Um, I'm my son. Uh, we have four kids. My 16 year old is a, a huge um, jock, if you want to say. I've got a hunter, a jock, and a video gamer and an artist. <laughs> so um, you got you got one of you got one of each. You, you, you got you, one <laughs> of each. Yeah. And one of the things my 16 um, year old has been hounding me about is he wants me to lift with them. And this is the kid, you guys, that uh, for those of you that have kids, this is the one that you'll ask a question. He's like, yeah, no. And it's like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know if you can tell Ken, but I like to chat. And <laughs> no, so, I, haven't, I haven't picked up on that at all. <laughs> I, I just want to wring his neck. I'm like, come on. And so in looking at ways, 
to connect because that connection piece is so important for all of us. I looked and said, how can I connect with this kid? And I thought, you know what? He's asking me to go out and out, go out into the garage and lift with him. First of all, what 16 year old kid asks their mom to come out and lift with him? I mean, come on. And so that's what I do now every night is I, I, I lift with him. I don't, I love weightlifting. I don't like the actual process of it. I really don't right. like, I just want it to be over. But again, hate the process, love the outcomes. But one of the outcomes that I have with him is it's not just the physical piece, it's the connection piece. Right. And so, but I, I sleep better. Uh, we all sleep better when we work out. We build up those endorphins and we're able to think more crystal clear. So, so that's yeah. kind of the long, long answer to that. No, it a good answer. So do you test out those new knees with like an 800 pound squat in that, in that garage? You know what? <laughs> if I had something like I wanted to do that for, yeah, but I, I told the, I told my husband, he's like, really, Jen, why, why do you need to do that? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I just want to. I'd like to do another Ironman triathlon. Oh, wow. But, and my doctor's like, well, I really don't recommend you do that. And I'm like, no, no, hear me out. So um, I'm going to walk the run. Like, I'm okay if I never run a day in my life. Like, I have no desire, but walking, sure. And so that's something I'd like to do. Um, But yeah, you won't find me squatting or running. Like, getting off the couch is pretty, that's enough for me. I can understand. I, I, I've got uh, a, a pretty bad back from uh, a lot of years in my 20s and 30s of playing basketball on uh, on very bad blacktop, uh, then coupled with, you know, a lot of running in my 30s and 40s, especially my 40s, because I found I couldn't play basketball anymore with the knees and then the the, what what the basketball didn't you know basically take out uh the running (laughs) screwed up even more and i got to the point in 2016 where i couldn't walk uh one block even a half a block if it was a big city block um with uh without extreme pain and having to sit down uh, unfortunately, I found a great chiropractor. He shut down just before the pandemic. Thank you very much. Uh, but uh, I found a great chiropractor that helped me. And I kept saying, you know, can I get, ever get back to running? And, you know, he always kind of foot me, fought me on it. And then finally he says, look, he says, if it's the only way you're going to be active, then I'm for it. However, if you could find some other damn way to keep in shape that isn't so hard on your back, I would really highly recommend it. <laughs> it's tough, you know, and, and something Ken, that I learned a long time ago, like we worked on it a lot, the mental toughness part of sports, which, which equated to going through our finances, like it's the same mindset is um, to really, something that can be really helpful for a lot of people is to, to, it's the, um, when you imagine doing it. So, you know, when you imagine lifting or you imagine, um, for us, when our finances, we would use that mental aspect and picture what it was going to be like the day that we paid off our debt. And it is crazy when you start um, 
thinking about that and imagining it, it, how that can rewire your brain, you know, but, but I've read studies on that. When you combine the mental aspect, the imagery part of it with the actual exercise in some studies, like it's almost as good as exercising like in itself, but when you combine the two, so but but I'm I'm I that's so interesting about what your chiropractor said like <laughs> if it's the only way well but, uh, well it's kind of like a dual threat because through my back problems I gained a lot of weight because I wasn't as active and it's kind of one of those you know six of one half a dozen of the others the extra weight is screwing up your back <laughs> and so it's one of one of these things but back to your point um, on exercise and how you feel and the endorphins and so forth. Um, you know, I know I know some people in some forums um, that you know do have issues with depression, uh, and one of the main ways they deal with it is they get up and they exercise, and they're able then they're then able to face that day. And I saw one lady who was in, in one of my circles and she, it was, it was around lunchtime and she really looked down and depressed. And I said, you know, how are you okay? And she says, no, I'm not okay. I hurt my leg and now I can't do my morning bike ride anymore. And it's got me depressed. And it led me to think about, especially given what, what you just said, with, with all of our public safety professionals out there. Um, in so many states, our healthcare workers are getting bombarded and doing 12 hour shifts or more. Uh, police officers with, with protests and even riots in some case are doing 12 hour shifts or more. Um, I was talking to in the heart of the pandemic, um, I was talking to a colleague of mine um, who's a New York City firefighter and he was running around he was off his shift and he says it's like a shit show out there it's like nothing i've ever seen and so i feel for all these public safety professionals and i know the last thing you want to do after working 14 hours <laughs> is do a workout but i would think you know if you could just get your mind around you know, maybe 15 minutes to 20 minutes to be alone or work with some exercise bands or walk on a treadmill and watch something funny. Just just that short amount of time, you know, I think would, would do wonders not only for you physically, but also with the endorphins mentally to be able to get back to it the next day and deal with this tremendous chaos that at least in my lifetime, I've never seen a chaotic year like this. I can honestly say that. It's crazy, Ken. I'm so with you. I have, I have a um, very good friend who's a firefighter, and he has um, a lot of PTSD going on. And one of the things we had talked about years ago was, you know, why not try some EMDR? Um, uh, And I apologize, I I forget the acronym, what it stands for. It's Eye Movement Desensitization. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. You know, if you to our audience, look it up, figure out what. Yeah, it's amazing (laughs) for those of you that are struggling. Like, I I think that it would be a great thing for all of us to at one point or another look into, especially when we're in this field. But um, he does competitive swimming and, you know, he's a smoker. 
um, or was a smoker. And the whole thing of the swimming for him is the, is kind of what the rapid eye movement does for him. It's the strokes one arm yeah. at a time. And, and when they shut down the gym, the pools in the area, Oh my gosh, we live in Minnesota and, yeah. and in April, the lakes are cold here. And, um, you know, the, the ice, sometimes it snows at Easter. Sure. And yeah, so he was like raring to go out on the lakes up here. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like there's a fine line between hypothermia, (laughs) you know, getting your workout in dude. like, I understand, but he, it took a tremendous toll on him not being able to, um, to do that during that time. But I would say for, especially for those of you working those incredibly long, long shifts, like you're going to find every excuse in the world to not do it after work because mentally you just, you don't have that. Yeah. You're spent. Like you don't have that. Um, we lose our self-control. We lose our, um, I can't think of the word, but we lose it. Our (laughs) discipline. Yeah. That like that will willpower you lose Mm -hmm. willpower as the day goes on or the night goes on. Um, but we, we, if you plan it for right away in the morning, like you may not like it, you may not be a morning person or, or whatever shift you're on before your shift starts is to do that right away. Like Ken said, 15 minutes, um, maybe you start off walking or maybe you, um, start off getting a couple dumbbells. We just bought some locally, um, some adjustable dumbbells that are great to have around there from five pounds to 52 pounds. Like they take up base of a dumbbell like if you have a small space maybe you're in an apartment or something there's always something you can do but yeah if you can squeeze that 15 minutes in like do it even before you brush your teeth like give yourself no excuses get it done because it's not just the physical part of it but it's really the mental part of it and in yeah. building those endorphins and it sets your tone right for your day and the the other thing that i would really say along with that is is this sounds silly for some of us and it's especially for those of us that are impatient but really taking time to breathe during the day you know a couple yeah. times a day you know take take a couple deep breaths that is amazing how much that does in giving us that space to focus um it's it's i i do the superman pose uh during a lot of my talks we take a minute out and just do the superman pose um amy cuddy did a great ted talk on it you stand uh, feet shoulder width apart uh, hands on hips chest up chin up and you simply breathe for a minute or two and it's amazing how studies have shown how that lowers our cortisol levels um that raises our endorphins so just the the whole thing of you know taking a couple minutes before your shift exercise just deal with it and then now i sound like your your other guest right uh kind of hard to deal with it <laughs> and um don't forget to breathe you know a couple times a day maybe you maybe it's a trigger uh you go get your morning coffee you know as you're pouring your coffee put your hands on your hips shoulder width apart you know, no one's gonna know what you're doing and and just breathe um uh, for a minute or two um, before lunch or um dinner break just breathe yeah, 
Yeah, I think it goes back to don't let what you can't do keep you from doing what you can do. Um, you know, granted, I am definitely not in the shape that I was in when I was taking those firefighter physicals. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy my time or did enjoy my time at the gym, you know, four or five times a week. And obviously that shut down. Um, and I'm married to a healthcare professional. So even when they opened back up briefly, I was not allowed to go back in the gym just yet. Uh, but when this whole thing started, uh, you know, we live in a 700 square foot house. Uh, so, you know, getting, getting a uh, universal, you know, really isn't, you know, in the, in the cards. But I bought a series of exercise bands that literally fit in, you know, it's a bag about, you know, maybe uh, a foot high and a foot wide that you could put anywhere, but there's like a series of bands of different weights. And, and people it, may laugh at that and go, oh, come on, you get a workout. Oh, yeah, look at this. I, I didn't have muscles four months ago. I, I got my muscles back, you know, and that's just from exercise bands, you know, yeah. so, so, and that take up hardly any room in your house. Um, and all you, it, all you need is, you know, a, a, a good door, you know, a good uh, post to put them around. And, you know, there's a lot of resistance in that. You could, you could build a lot of muscle just from oh, exercise absolutely. bands alone because uh, it's all about resistance. But, you know, I, Jen, I could literally, you know, both of us are talkers. We could talk for the next three hours, and I don't think that's a stretch. Um, but to, to kind of wrap it up, at least for this episode, we reserve the right to bring you back. It's <laughs> uh, but if at least at this, for this episode to start wrapping this up, is there a number one tip, um, that you would give to, to really be more resilient in this chaotic year for public safety professionals? Maybe you already pointed it out or said it, but maybe we need to just highlight it. You know, what, what is maybe that number? Number one tip for resilience in 2020? I would say really the, the whole attitude thing is what is it that you can do? Because you guys, you have been hit with so, as Ken said, like this is a year like none other that none of us has seen. And it's easy to look at the negativity on, you know, defunding the police department, the whole, like, incredible things that we have never seen before but to give yourselves a little grace and space give yourselves a little margin to breathe in and just remember to to breathe and take those breaths and take that breath and ask what can i do there's always something that you can do no matter what outside factors are coming at you that that can help determine those outcomes. And so just give yourselves a little grace and space. Remember to breathe and ask yourselves, what can you, what can I do? Yeah. Great advice. Last question, Jen, for those of you, and I know a lot of people out there could use your expertise and, and tap into your brilliance. How best can they find you out there? Oh, thanks for asking, Ken. You can find me over at theirongen.com. And man, this is what I do all day long. Like uh, when training events do come in person, like <laughs> that's what I do. Keynote speaking training. I also do virtual, uh, virtual type trainings. 
doing a little bit more of that this year than ever before. But, um, but the, I just, man, I love this stuff. And I get, I, I love especially helping those of us that serve our communities because it's, it's so vitally important that we ourselves stay strong and resilient because when we do that, we not only help the organizations that we're with, but we really help the communities that we live in. And most importantly, we help those loved ones closest to us, our families. Yeah, well said. And uh, I didn't pick up that you were passionate about any of this in our hour together. So I'll just assume that you are. I was are. like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> my, my poor attempt at humor there. But uh, in all seriousness, getting back to a serious mode. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Jen. Um, some incredible insight and really appreciate the work that you're doing out there. Oh, thank you for doing the work you do. And guys, thank you for those of you listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart and my family's heart for doing what you do and serving our communities. God bless. God bless. Awesome. Thank you again, Jen. And thank you to all of you that have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we will be back with you in about a week with another awesome guest. Take care. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.